here we go. Spring of 2020. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Hello, people. This is Taylor Henry talking. Um, quickly, I want to give some directions on this podcast. We sit down with the uh, hunter of this little property and talk for about 40 minutes. And then you're going to have the opportunity at probably like hour, I don't know, 45 in this podcast to hear me explain the maps that are provided a lot better and to like go over the whole property. So if you are like, I can only listen to a half hour, skip ahead and go to that um, because the conversation we have with Jeff um, probably isn't exactly that clear with the maps that I provide because I changed them a little bit after the fact. Um, so just wanted to give you a heads up. Feel free to listen to the whole thing. We'd appreciate it. Um, I think we're. I think it's kind of a funny podcast talking to Jeff and, and Weston. And then at the end, I break down into it further. And I also, there's a video on the website and then there's a blog as well. So um, the ending actually is the video. So uh, feel free to just head over and watch that video too. It'll make a lot more sense. And enjoy the rest of this podcast. Okay. Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors podcast episode, Weston. 37. 37. Come on now. 37. Just crawling, scooting along. creeping into 40, just knocking 40's door down. Weston's damn near near 40 years old, too. Nope, not close. He's actually younger than me. I'm 26. The closest one to it. Yeah, yeah you're well, probably, what are you, 30 here. yet? I'm 28. I know. I just, you're pretty, on 30 pretty close. I think Jed turns 30 this year. This year. I'm, uh, July. But he doesn't care. Old man. Old man Domkey. So, this episode we have special guest, Jeffrey Rosh. You may have heard him on a phone call, a call-in question not too long ago. And uh, I think this is version two because we did Weston's property before. But we're going going to do a whole podcast here of just a property breakdown of where Jeffrey hunts. I'm going to talk to him exactly how we talk to anyone who um, hires us for our services. Uh, kind of break down the opening sequence of of uh, dissecting his property. So uh, we're just going to go live on um, this, yeah. So, nice. Weston, hopefully you did this when you edited this podcast. <laughs> and if he didn't, start sending attacks. But there should be a link to a screenshot of the property that we're going to be looking at. So you can pull that property up. And it'll make more sense to you while we go through this. Um, I guess, Jeffrey, um, what we're looking at here is a large 100-acre property. You really only hunt uh, 60 of it, the north north end of the road here. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a rectangle. The south portion of this property is is a like downhill and in that northern part is is a ridge top so you're you got a pretty steep incline am i correct when i say that like you see those um if you're looking to the south portion of the north end of this property north of the road i'm saying there is a couple little um fingers of woods that's actually a creek correct 
Yeah, so if you're looking at this property, um, so where the road where the road comes in here, um, that first strip of woods that runs along the road is, um, it's pretty thick, but it's right, tucked right along the roadside. But then there's that strip that runs down along the driveway. There is a natural uh, stream that comes through there, and then that bigger, wider chunk of woods um, at the bottom between the two big fields is actually a creek that starts, oh. I'm not exactly sure where it starts, way upstream further, but it runs pretty heavy and thick yeah. down through there. Oh, it's a legitimate running stream. And it's got several different springs feeding into it. So, I guess before we get started, explain um, your hunting thus far on this property. How many people are hunting it? Um, how, where you guys access that? And then kind of the basic idea of where your stand placement is right now. So first question to answer that, how many people hunt it? So it's me and my four brothers. So there's five boys in my family. And then um, I guess if we're going to, if we're talking bull hunting, it's yeah, let's, let's talk gun hunting is kind of out of control, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It can vary between two and seven people yeah. hunting it, but we'll focus more on bull hunting. So for bull hunting purposes, two people hunt it, me and my brother, Jason, um, access points. It's tough because our property is landlocked by other yeah. privately owned places. So uh, the only place to access is through um, the bottom, through the driveway, you know, right off of the main road. Be the uh, southeast corner of, uh, you see a building down there, and you see the, uh, the line of woods that is the creek, that southeast corner is where you access that field, correct? Correct. <clears throat> so that's where we access it. Um, it's not ideal, but at this point we don't have any other options. Um, and then what was the, the third question you asked? I guess general stand location. Stand location. Stand location. Um, um, at this point, I'm really, I'm really looking to actually con consult with probably Taylor, bring him down there and kind of look at everything. Yeah. Um, let's do let's let's go over where they're at right now and so and we'll mark them on the sheet that we provide too so I, i'll mark i know you have one we'll start we'll start from where i walk in where i cross the creek okay. and then just go just label them location. label them one um so stand location one is going to be um you follow you cross the creek on the east side of the property there so below the road yep and down where that shed is, you cross the creek and you follow that wood line all the way from right to left, so heading west. And at the where those two fields kind of meet is actually two different streams. So um, in that corner of that field is we planted a food plot. Um, it's usually we plant like mid late summer, and it's just a food source for later in the year. But I have a stand that splits the two the two fields. There's a smaller field that's probably. I don't know, a couple acres that's landlocked by woods. Uh, and then there's another larger field. I don't know how many acres. Yeah, it's a cool little area down there. You got a, a, a winding creek that runs through there with, with these little um, fingers of woods that connect there. It's a great spot. So, yeah, so there's that's my first stand. That's kind of the – I like to consider that just – that's my easiest accessible yep. stand because it's – the first one I can get to, and it's it helps cover both the the field behind me and the field to my 
to my east. But um, my second stand location would be at the crest of the hill. So you call them the rock stand? We call it the rock, correct. So there's they'll, a big They'll rock. have a mark. I know where that's at. They'll, they'll see it on the So map there's a big too. rock, and that's just how we named it is the rock stand. Um, that's just a ladder stand we have sitting up there. But we like to – That's stand number two. Correct. We'll put, we put that usually on the – if we're focusing on bow hunting, we'll put that on the north side of the hill um, and try and catch deer. They work that, that rock point quite a bit. They come around the hillside. Yeah. And they'll come both from the front side of the hill and the back side of the hill. And I think you and I have talked about the bedding area in there, how they can bed right on top and yeah. get the wind behind them and see out in front of them. So that's location number two. The third spot is what we call Craig Stand. Um, kind of weird how we got that name. A guy that used to hunt that property's name was Craig, and he had a stand there, so we call it Craig Stand. But it's no longer his stand; it's ours. Um, that is in the top left of the highlighted portion here so the northwest corner of the property that's where the other food plot is yep so that's the same thing with that food plot we just plant that mid late summer and it's just a food source we've actually dug a hole in the ground to try and make a pond pond. but uh, haven't had a whole lot of luck with that we've talked for years in the past to um, bury something there to keep water but with the multiple spots of natural springs that are on this land i don't know if it's necessarily an attraction spot but probably not we probably won't focus too much on that anymore but at the it's almost the northwest corner of the property that's where we'll call it stand number three is yep um like i said craig stand with that spot it's literally i think the furthest point away from where we access it uh from where we park so it's the hardest to get to but i've had a lot of luck there not only with seeing deer but shooting deer Mm -hmm. um and i guess if we had to go with a fourth stand location it's going to be uh up the valley so it's below the rock because at the rock is a is a point and then it drops down into a valley and then it starts going back uphill again toward the neighboring property to the north back in like the northeast like ditch line that runs up there yes so it's a little above the ditch line so i'd say it's on the the south facing hill there but that's our fourth location. And I myself don't hunt that a lot. I know my brother does, but uh, we've we've had some luck there. Just it's it's too open and it's hard to, to pinpoint their their movement in that area. So Yeah. So um, your obvious issue your I guess explain what your issues have been thus far. Like, what do you, what do you feel like, number one, what's your goals? Like, what do you, what would you prefer to kill? Um, um, does it match the people you're hunting with? Let's just stick with bow hunting. And I know you have, you have issues with the gun hunting stuff, but do you think that you and your brother get on the same level with bow hunting? The same idea of like, what's your goal to shoot? We're moving in the right direction. I know yeah. that yeah. in the past though. Um, and I'll, and I'll be the first to take blame for it. This last year I made a, I made a mistake and shot a deer that I shouldn't have, but no. I guess everyone, our goal is no different than anyone else who's, who's serious about hunting and, and it's take mature deer. I mean, yeah. minimally three and a half and, and older. Okay. Um, my problem is that not everyone on our, that hunts our land has that same mentality. Yeah. Um, we've got a variety of hunters who have, uh, let's see. 
who have 20 plus years of experience versus a guy who's got, you know, we'll say 10, maybe 10. So the guy who's got 10 years of experience is just out looking to shoot a deer. Yeah. And it's tough. Um, cause this is, you're talking during gun season. Yeah. But I mean, it, it, it affects bow hunting so much. And I know mm-hmm. it's usually after, you know, our main bow seasons before the gun hunt, there is a later season, but you know, when you spend hours and, and days out there hunting and you're passing up these deer, like, yeah, they look good, but it's not worth it. And then a couple of weeks down the road, someone grabs a gun and shoots it. Then I don't know. It makes you question, should I have just shot it myself? But mm-hmm. I, I try not to look at it that way. Cause I still went to, I would like to think I still went to shot it and we still were going to let it pass, but you can't control what someone does with a gun in their hand. Yeah, and then your other big one, too, is you don't have control over what's um, being planted in that main ag field. Correct. Right? And actually, last year was the first year a new person had took over in uh, the land, um, in the field, renting the fields from the owner. So primarily in the past, it's been corn. Every I would say like every fourth year there was beans in there, but that yeah. farmer who used to farm it just... He would never get anything out of the beans because they would get eaten so bad. But whenever the beans were in there, that's when the deer would show up. I know the deer numbers we would see there are just astronomically different compared and to the And last board. year, the guy actually, he had sorghum, sorghum in there, right? The whole, everything, every every field on that property that he could plant in went sorghum. So Interesting. I, the number, I don't know, I would say it. I would say I saw less deer last year with that being planted versus corn, but... Then again, with corn up, you don't necessarily see them yeah. well anyway. Yeah, and if it's when it's corn, it's getting out of there in mid October. He's getting rid. Of, they're getting it out of there. Um, usually, we're hoping he has it off by gun opener, which is mid November. I mean, there's been years where he doesn't get it off. There's been years where the weekend before opening weekend, or the day before opening weekend of gun season, he's getting it off. But usually, get that sorghum off last year though, like. He got several cuts out of that. I mean, I think he – i I'm not going to pretend like I'm a farmer and know what, what the benefits of that are, but I feel like he got um, three, four cuts out of it, like similar to hay. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, you shot that deer that night. It was cut down to nothing, right? Um, I, think, I think it had been recently think. cut. It was yeah. short. So, <clears throat> granted – it's not exactly a fair situation because I do have uh, personal experience there. So I, I know the land. Um, Jeffrey and I have talked about it some in the past, too. Here's the, here's the issue that you run into, and most people will. Um, I know your access is bad, especially the way you're accessing. So... Um, stand one, for example, ideally there's corn or standing sorghum that's going to block your access there. And then that stand, yeah, like you said, is, is really good for, um, multiple sits, afternoon sits, you're low, you got the thermals dropping at night. You can get away with probably quite a bit there. Well, you, and you, you even got away with it last, the night you killed that buck last year, you, you had a ton of deer out there, right? Yep. I, yep. We'll get into that, the details, yeah. unless you're asking. But, like we always talk about, if we're hunting two-and-a-half-year-olds, year-and-a-half-year-olds in doe, 
a different ball game than hunting bigger bucks. Correct. Your major issue is if there is a buck that wants to bed on that. So if you follow the east fence line, you see that spine where stand number two is, and it's the rock. That is in what I would think is an ideal spot for a buck to bed on that downslope, um, overlooking your point of access and looking at the houses, looking at pretty much all danger because their danger is not coming from the north because there's, there's, that's a giant woods there. They probably are very rarely feeling pressure from there. Um, then that's not, that, that, that would not be ideal. If you had complete control over this, I would, I would cut that. Um, I would ideally have a mature timber on that triangle type. So you see how like you come up from the east fence line there, and then if you follow it straight up to the point where that rock is, there's like a triangle of woods, and that's all yep. that downslope. And I, you know, and you walk on it's a steep downslope hill. Yep. If that could be mature timber. We talk about you don't want mature timber, but I don't want deer bedding there. Like, that sucks if deer are bedding there because yeah. you're pretty much fucked. Because there's zero Because they're watching you. At, it, no matter where you go, they got you there. Like, I, I, I could guarantee that every time I hunt that hunt stand number two, every time I walk up that spine of that hill to my stand, I'm kicking deer out, whether yeah. I'm kicking them out to my left on the north side of the hill, whether I'm kicking them out to my right yeah. on the south side of the hill, or whether they're bettered up underneath the rock. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that, I mean, the shitty thing is, is I know I'm going to kick up deer on my way to that stand. My hope is that those deer get out of there and a new deer that didn't get spooked comes in at some point. Yeah. So the other way you guys access to that stand right now is, is, is not good. You, they go up, they cut across the center of that field, they go up into the, like, you can see that trail that's mowed. And then they wrap around to the front of that point, and then they go straight up the point. Straight up. So you're you if you think about it, um, like think about the area of the property, and then the amount that you penetrate, um, you're pretty much penetrating the whole center of the property by just even just accessing that stand. Not only with with my the sight of me walking through. There, yeah. But the main problem is probably yeah. the scent. Yeah, you walk the way you guys access that right now, where you walk to the base of that spine and then go up straight the spine. You're you're fucking yourself on that whole other north end too. Um, what I would do is I would go in, and I would cut with a chainsaw a a trail right on the fence line or near the fence line or whatever. It looks like there's a little ditch that look looks like there's a little ditch that kind of runs just inside the fence line, probably like thirty yards from it. On the east side. Yeah. So on the east fence line in 30 yards, looks like there's a little, it, it's not much of one, but there's probably a little bit of a um, ditch right here that meets the ditch, like a, so there's a ditch that kind of runs parallel with, with the fence line. And then there's probably one that runs um, like northeast to southwest down to the, like the opening of that trail. If you could get a cut trail straight up the fence line or near the fence line, access and then just go straight over to your stand and only hunt rut mornings up on that rock. Because, I mean, it's prime. That's a prime spot, but you can't overhunt it. Like you hunt it once or twice, in my opinion. 
And I know last year you guys like uh, you didn't didn't your brother shoot one in the afternoon up there one he time? He shot one the the day after I shot mine. I shot mine yeah. in the afternoon. Like went up he, there in the afternoon, right? Yes, because yeah, I remember it was a s- that's that like you just you know you can't do that. Uh, you can't. There's no way to access that for an afternoon sit. It's just not. It's not reasonable. <laughs> I don't think. Like, and we're talking about this. They're talking about hunting like very like cautiously too. Like, pick three mornings, last week of October, first week of November, and you know you can hunt there. Second week of November, like perfect rut mornings. Leave it for that. Um, hunt. I would even set up maybe another stand down low here on these fields to maybe if you if you, if you feel the urge to hunt. Um, set something up down where that stand one is. And I, I would try to set something up where you could access, even come at them at a different angle. We've talked about this before, where if, if you could possibly access along the west fence line ever and drop drop down. But I don't know, have you ever looked at that? So when we talk, after we talked about that, I went and kind of explored it myself. Um, I, th- I think it would be accessible. So the west side of the property, right on the road, so just park the truck on the road, jump out. Just there's a, slip down that hill. Yeah, there's actually like a pretty big path where deer come from the south side of the property and start moving north where they yeah. cross the road there. Um, I mean, the nice thing is this. Your key line of movement is going perpendicular to where your property is. So you're accessing perpendicular for the most part the way their movement is. Because you look at, if you look at the farm... They're going to be working that bottom river edge, which is working east to west. The hillside works east to west until it wraps, you know, and then they head back, you know, north to south. But everything, like look at the topo lines in there, everything's working east to west, right? So majority of the movement is east to west. So, yeah, ideally you are accessing perpendicular, and that's what you want to do because you're not not walking in a whole way, you know, the same way that they're they're, – the majority of the movement is obviously there's a probably a cow path along that um west fence line because that's probably where they cross the road at and right um might maybe not i don't know yeah pick your the issue is with your the property you don't have if you had control over that bottom field i would just plant um access like borders so i would just I'd get like a big line of Egyptian wheat, get it 12 feet tall and border that whole wood line. And you could access the way, same way you access and you, at least you're hidden from that hillside, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause if you, if you bordered that field on the East end and on the South end of that, so we're talking about the, the center field, the main egg field you see in this, on this property. And you could at least border that with Egyptian wheat and this access those stands like that. At least you're saving yourself from that issue. Because right now, they're above you, and that's the issue with bottom access, especially with bottom access and with an egg field, is you're, you're so exposed. So, yeah, you can see a shitload of deer, but if there's, if there's a mature buck up here, he's not he sees you, and he's not going to be coming down there probably at all the rest of the season. Um, and I would essentially cut off all stands at that spine and I would never hunt that northern uh I would never even touch it until March northern uh 
probably 20 acres. Yeah, where that food plot sits on the north. Yeah, 25 acres. Yeah, there's no way for you to get back there. I mean, think about all the times you've hunted that food plot back there. How many deer have you kicked out on that walk back for that trail? Oh, you so literally, it's the same problem. You man. literally insert yourself through the dead center of the property, let everything know that if you're living on our property, I'm here, I'm here and hope to fucking God that something comes off someone else's property. Yep. Um, now, if you wanted to be a, a psychopath ninja and... I could see a scenario maybe one time if you just for some reason felt the pressure to if you got back to that stand that fourth stand that you talked about yep you could technically um go all the way up that east end and yeah, go up that, and over the hill and drop back down and I'm talking like 2 3 hours before light also very psycho psychopath <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, if, if you're to a point where you're like, you want it bad, if you want it bad, like that, you could possibly get away with hunting something like that and catch anything coming. Because, I mean, there's something to be said. You could catch, if you if you got in these places, majority of the deer are probably up in these egg fields above you or off the, you know. Um, but, yeah, if, especially if it, was your, if it was your own property or if you guys end up owning it, I would... Uh, I would turn that whole back 25 acres into bedding sanctuary, never touch it and then hunt the edges. So then you're left with, you know, these, and really you're hunting the bare edges. So the far East end where that rock is, you barely slip in. You're not really intruding much at all. You're not touching that center portion really at all. And then you're kind of hunting these bottom fingers and only in the, probably in the afternoon because you're not going to be able to hunt in the morning because thermals are going to rise and, Everything will fuck you down there around the creek. <laughs> it's not, and you can't, yeah, it's not going to be fun hunting down there in the afternoon either. If it's windy, but if it's, if it's calm, your thermal should drop down to that creek and it should be, it, it'll be really good. Yeah. Now, if you hunt south end of the road, there, there your possibilities are pretty endless. You got two nice ditches that you can walk right up and. I know they're steep, but you're going to catch anything in those line of movement that are, are wrapping that point off to your, um, your west or your east. Like, there's so much good stuff up there. And you guys don't hunt that, right? I know someone leases it, but. Right. And he started that, I think, three years ago. He started leasing that property out to uh, a guy or a family, I guess, that owns and your guy does quite a bit of mowing, like that, like that trail that goes back to the back that gets mowed pretty regularly. Or? Yeah, he, he, he's pretty adamant about mowing. So that big egg field that's in this, basically the center of the property that we hunt, that area above the egg field between the woods and the field, he will consistently mow multiple God. times throughout the year to keep that. Tell I don't know. That's stop. huh? Tell him to stop if you can. <laughs> that, or or. I, I, I don't there. feel like we even ask him to do that. I just think he gets bored and wants to do it. No, I'm sure he does. But if you if you could uh, if you could be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some clover up there, and it's like ideally, I would uh, broadcast clover in that whole area and let it grow up into successional like old field. So let me run this by you. So looking at this property again, now we're we're back on the north side of the road. So yeah. that that sliver of of it looks kind of just like crp grass i guess that runs between the two fields 
and then until it reaches the the west point of the property yep so that last chunk so the the field narrows it gets it's a thin walking path and then it opens back up we've been talking and i think you mentioned it to me in the past about because that gets a lot of sun exposure there we've been talking yeah, about food plot yes so well, jason and i were walking the spring shed hunting and we found we found a a spot in so it's at the that's all downhill just north of where i'm talking about here that whole just north of that is all downhill um, and we've talked about putting a food plot there but we found this massive um mm-hmm. scrape like a 10 foot by 10 foot scrape that is just torn apart and we've i guess we've never really hunted it we've walked by it probably every year but i don't know what it is that front side of that hill they've worked that super hard last year and i assume that's not the first time they've worked it but the amount of scrapes and rubs along that strip on that south side of that hill is just crazy so we were contemplating this year putting a food source in that upper field there that's been nothing just but grass the last yeah i'd plant forever i'd uh put clover in there and let it grow up is that a no-till situation or does that need to be tilled up uh, you know, you don't need to till it. You just uh, spray uh, Roundup or whatever, off-brand Roundup, and broadcast it right in there right before a rain. Right before a rain? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the idea of when people say tilling something, it, it all that is is just get seed-to-soil contact, and and mainly it's it's uh, it, it does help with, like, uh, limiting the weeds. So yeah, if a food plot company is selling clover, that's supposed to look really nice and, and really like pretty, um, they don't want weeds in it. So you till it and you're supposed to like get a perfect seed bed and then lay this, the seed down. Well, I don't, it's, it's not really practical. Like, like we've talked about, like goldenrod, milkweed, ragweed, like those are weeds, but they're also productive weeds. Um, so yeah, I would, I would, uh, spray it and then when you spray it that that thatch that dies that's that's like mulch pretty much so it's it's just a matter of can the seed get down through that to the ground and it can because clover seeds are so small so it'll all just trickle down through there well it'll be a big experimental year for it you just broadcast a little heavier how you hunt it you can't hunt it the way that you probably we'd considered hunting it before where you cut across the field to come in come in uh, east to west it's going to be a shitty walk along that west fence line. You pop up and you hunt that west corner. Um, and, that, and yeah, it, it kind of, yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to take that fence line all the way in there. And the, the biggest thing with that would be just going in and, and getting some chainsaw work and cutting a clear path and kind of dropping trees to kind of block your, um, in, entrance so like hinge cutting but hinge like if you hinge cut like leaving like trees that are blocking your your access right so maybe high like cut hinge cutting higher than what you normally would you normally hinge cut for like bedding like you know waist or knee level but maybe hinge cutting at like shoulder height which really isn't productive as productive for bedding but it'd be productive for covering your access yeah um if you could get in to that corner through that fence line that'd be a that'd be a fucking awesome spot 
because you're still on the edge of your property. So you're just you're just tickle, you're just tickling the edges. That's all. That's all it is. Tickle the edges. So then you'd, you'd have three stands. You know, and you hunt them. You know, those two northern stands are two stands that you hunt one or two times during the rut, and then you can get um, the lower stands along that creek that you can hunt in the afternoons, early season, or you know, in October with uh, lighter winds, where that you know your thermals are going to suck down. Um, and with uh, those northern stands, you know, north winds, because you're going to be up above that. I I would feel fairly confident that your wind would your scent would be high enough there that it would blow over that creek and it wouldn't be a big issue. Um, but there's does that bed in that creek bottom, right? Have you run into that oh, much? Oh, absolutely. Um, I shouldn't say absolutely. Like like it happens all the time. I mean, that's a big spot where we're driving them out of like during deer drives during gun season, but I, yeah, they hurt I wouldn't there. say you're talking the main Creek bed yep. below the house. Yep. No, I, I wouldn't say they bed in there super heavy. We've known, we've noticed some more bedding toward that, that tree stand number probably two up there at the rock Yeah. where that whole. Oh, that's a great, that that's a great bedding. South facing hillside, big, steep point. There's some flat like that. That spine is flat. Are they better right on the spine a lot? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, and that's where you guys are walking in right now. That, that's our path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's not... no way of getting around them. Even if you, well, shit. Even if you if you come in on the east, like you said, the east side of the property and walk straight up to that point and then come down to that stand, it's not like you're gonna get in without them hearing you. No, but you're you're, just... you're doing that an hour or two before light. Right. And you're not you're not fucking doing it for an afternoon sit. You're not like. You got to commit, I would assume. Yeah, and the, and the walkout's going to be shitty. Like, that's a one or two timer. I think you can kill one. I think you can kill one pretty easily, though. You could kill one in that. I like that north. So when I say north, uh, west corner, northwest corner before the sanctuary, like not counting the sanctuary, 24 or five, 24 or five acres that were counting the sanctuary, that corner. Because you also got, I mean, that's... I like that spot a lot. Probably a decent tree in there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've. What that woods that that woods that runs there. south of that opening. So you have the main the main big timber that runs you know the north section the 25 acres you're not going to touch, Correct. and then there's that there's a little grass opening we're talking about putting the food plot, but then there's that um, that line of woods is that like really thick or. Yeah, that's... Do you think we deer are bedded the, in there a lot? We call that the big pine because there's one big-ass pine tree in there. Um, oh, yeah. We, I mean, if they're bedding, if they're bedding anywhere in that section of woods, it's on the east side of it, closer to that big pine because there's a lot of natural yeah. springs that come in there. And But that left side is a lot more open. Like, it's pretty... It's all hillside. It all comes downward toward that creek, but it's all pretty open. So they're not bedding in there a lot. But right on the right on the north side of that section of woods we're talking about, we have a walking path, but... Yeah, it can't be a walking path. No, it's... To, to be honest, we haven't used it in quite a while, but I guess instead yeah. of using that, we've been using the field above it. So, but where you stick it's, out like son of a bitch... It's one of those deals that you're you're kind of fighting against. It sucks because it feels like it's like impossible to get anywhere. 
it's it almost feels like there's like your access is like damn near impossible, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to create correct. you have to create your own access. So I think cutting a line along that fence line and to be honest, that fence line on the west side of the property is a ditch. So it's not we don't that that section that oh, we're just yeah. talking about yeah, now. I can see it now. That section we're talking about now is not wouldn't need to be super adjusted. Uh, wouldn't need to be. Hinged oh, I really hinged. like that. Yeah, better. you can see there's a little that you could probably get on that that west. So there's like a people listening are probably gonna be like disgusted by this, but okay. <laughs> so if you walk, they are gonna be right along the west end of this fence line. Are we talking from the road now? From the road, and then you get up to that that section of woods that is just south of that opening. Um, and if you're looking at a map, you can tell and it'll be by stand. We'll mark it as like new stand. I don't know. Whatever. Just label it five. One of the new stands. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Stand five. Right in this corner, there's a little ditch here. There's probably a high point and there's a little ditch on the other side of that right along the fence line. looks like you're saying that's a ditch. Cause I can tell it must be like a little bit of a ditch in the topo yes. lines here. Yeah, if you can cut a line and sneak in on the on the west end of that ditch, so you're not even exposing yourself to anything on to the east, which you're not exposing yourself to anything on your own property, that could be a that could be a extremely. It just it just sucks because you're that's a long ass walk. I mean, and it it's is not going to be a walk, fun it's walk. It's not a hard probably. walk. It's you don't all, think so? Well, from the road, it's all downhill until you reach the creek, and then that that then first lower field, and then it's uphill once. You, once you're past that first field, okay. but the, all everything uphill is all open. It's a ditch. It's like washed out. I mean, you can get through it pretty well. So it's not like it's going to be you're zigzagging in between trees and brush. Yeah, and 425 shit. yard walk. That's not that bad. It, it, the majority of it's downhill, so it's not that bad. But then, <clears throat> yeah, we just got to figure. I'd out. even access that other stand if you could from there. It just depends on if you're bedded like in there or what's going on, but. Hey man, I've also it's also been a thing where it's like doe or does are gonna be bedded down there. Like you might get a fucking rogue buck in there during the rut or something, but um, you know walk in there six seven times during the summer. You know a couple times here in the spring, go in and put a trail camera in there. Go in and check the trail camera. Like get them used to like being like don't fucking bed here, okay? Because humans are walking here. Yeah. Push them up a little bit and. You're not going to, you know, I, I, that's worth it. I think that's worth the risk, especially if you get like a, yeah, I like that. Cause then you're, you're giving your, you're giving those deer all those big hills and big timber to themselves. And you're just popping in, sneaking in, um, a couple times a year up in those spots. But yeah. Any other questions on that? Or any other ideas? How, how do you think that, um, like, do you think that you'd be able, do you think that you would go along with not accessing or completely pretty much changing your access? I think property? I could. It's, I think it's pretty freaking simple to just park on that west line of the property. I mean, the road's wide enough. Park there and just walk straight down through the goat path that's been created. Walk that field edge. I, and I, the problem is, is convincing the other person who regularly, regularly yeah. bow hunts that property to do the same because he won't, because he, and it's it's going to be a battle too because he's going to say none of that shit matters and he's going to do what we've always done walk across that field walk through everything walk that spine of that hill and go up to the rock stand and hunt every evening because 
You know, that's where he's had the most luck. That's where he shot his last year. The year before that, that's where he shot his. Well, you have giant timber there. Yeah, you you can get you can get lucky. But the problem is, is if we're both hunting at the same time and I'm accessing from where I should be and he's accessing there, it defeats the purpose of me accessing from the west side of the property. But I guess you could get lucky and snag something coming off the, you know, the west side of the property coming from the neighbor's land in. <clears throat> So there used to be like a a climber down there on the on the um northeast side or northeast corner of that open egg field. Remember I in that it was corner? A it was ladder stand, whatever. There was a stand yeah. on that on that east side of that fence line. Yeah, like right on the on the in that like inside corner of that egg field up there. Yes. No, that's where question, I'd walk straight up. My question, you you asked if I had any questions. So that property you and I hunted where you shot the big eight. Mm-hmm. You call that a pinch point? Yeah, inside corner kind of pinch. Yeah. What, if any, is, do you know would be the, you know, the comparison yeah, to that a, on this property? Um. Well, where the stand number one is, that's an inside corner with multiple travel corridors because you have that that finger of woods. You have three fingers of wood. Well, four, four fingers of woods that meet in that little section there. Yeah. So that's a pinch because they're not like most most movement is not taking place just dead across a field. They they travel along that those structure of, of wood lines. Um, that's a pinch. That's why you see so many deer in that that corner right there because they meet like they if they're traveling along a field edge that's where they end up at. Right. Just and there's naturally. probably a bunch of offshoots in there. One goes over the neighbors along the creek. One goes straight up to where we're talking about where you're going to hunt. One shoots off over into the other place where stand number two is. Um, and then that's, I mean, your biggest one, but there's, there's probably a, there's a pinch. Well, the rock stand is a pinch because it's a, you're literally sitting in front of a shelf, a big rock space. They can't walk up and down. Elva, didn't you see a buck like come down that thing one like time? Like a fucking billy goat. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Right, literally jumped from rock to rock right down the hill. It was it was an immature buck, like a fucking yeah. year and a half. Year but old. that like that like large. I mean, that's not something that they're going to be traveling up and down. So that's a pinch that the the base of a hill like that. Um, that I mean, the little that little opening, that whole that whole uh, open grass area is kind of a pinch. I mean, you you've got between the two big wooded yeah you got wood an open area in between two big wooded areas. Plus, I really that's why I like that corner because you got something behind it there. I don't know if that's gonna be bedding area or on the neighbors or like kind of looks like just open like thicker CRP with it's some like wooded. a pasture. We call that hog the hogs back, but there's no animals in it. Yeah, there's cows. Oh, there is every. I mean, I shouldn't say consistently, but she's got oh, shit, man. If there's cows in there. That change everything. No, I yeah, that's I'd walk in through the pasture. Well, walk up with the cows. Yeah, I'll just jump on one. <laughs> yeah, if you could, yeah, if you could ride a cow into your stand, that would be ideal. They would, yeah, they'd never see it coming. But they're probably um, from that like corner. They're gonna be they're pinched down. Um, you see, like so that opening, the north end of that opening kind of pinches into this cor- that corner where there's another opening on the other side. And the main, like, large woodlot connects. Like, you can see, like, where there's hard timber and mature timber. 
and there's like a line there. You can't see it. Just come over here. I can show it to you. So you can see there's a specific line of timber. Um, so I can see this line of timber. Yeah. And that continues. Yes. <laughs> that continues <laughs> right here. So like this is a pin. This would be a pinch right in here. That's why I put that stand right here. Well, that's that spot you're talking about. There's the problem is is there's a there's not a lot of trees that can hold a stand right there, and b there's not a whole lot of wooded area on our side of the property. There, I mean, the fence line runs right through there, but the problem is is that the mature tree to put a tree stand in is not is non-existent. Yeah. So I don't know if I don't know if a blind would be adequate or if you relocate. Well, and th this is why we can only go so far when we're looking at aerial photos. Like, going in there and seeing... The, Boots on the ground. Yeah, it changes a lot. Um, but the key idea of this is you're, you're penetrating too much of the property um, on access and just more consideration to access. Because, I mean, before it's just access this, this point and you go to every stand from this point. Um, and most of those access routes go right through the dead center of the property. Yep. So everything you're, you walk in, you're kicking everything off to the side. It's not saying that, you know, you guys, you're in a good area with a giant timber lot. Like, yeah, there's going to be other deer that didn't see you or maybe weren't bedded there that day, but it's not a sustainable solution to have consistent success. So. Make sense? Yes. Access and giving deer most of the property to roam and live free, just like the Lion King. <laughs> Jesus. That's uh, property breakdown dissection number two. Jeff Rosh, our old caller. Long time listener. <laughs> First time appearance. First time podcaster. <laughs> hello, 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 podcast listeners blog readers, and YouTube watchers. This is a hybrid video. This video is going to be living on YouTube. I'm going to add it to the podcast. This is property analysis overview number one that we're making public. I need to get a drink of my coffee. It's almost June. Time for iced coffee. Um, so this property, it's an awesome property. Um, great deer location, just overall great location. I want to go over here why I hammer home the whole point of access so hard. It's because when you sit back and you look at this property, um, this is the way they access all their stands. Okay. I've gotten to a point now where I use this, use Onyx here, and I'll go and I'll either walk and put the tracker on Onyx and walk to all my stands or ride a four-wheeler, UTV, whatever. Or um, I just know how I access them. Um, and that's how we made this too. Uh, he remembered how he accessed all of them. Look at if If we use the idea that your scent gets blown at least 100 yards downwind with a north wind, this is how much area gets affected by you accessing this stand. That's a lot. That whole ditch is ruined. Right. And we think and I think the reason why scent doesn't or access doesn't get talked about enough is because 
we uh, we often always think about what we're doing on the stand. We're throwing milkweed out. We're figuring out what the wind's doing while we're in the stand. While like the area that we're actually soaking with our scent. No, we're not soaking this area with your scent. You're walking through. I would advise if you have to access something like this, walk as quickly and swiftly as you can and make it dark or hope hopefully there's nothing in there. Um but it gets left behind because and it, and it takes extra effort and and there's a million reasons why access doesn't access doesn't uh get put on the forefront like it should. Um and then we look at like one of their better stands, this stand uh, stand two. So I was just describing stand one on the graph. Um, stand two up on the hill here. I mean, look at look at their access to this. Just you can't do it. You just you can't do it. This is a north wind. You're just ruining it. There's no. I mean, there's just there's just no chance. You don't have a chance. Like we have a hard enough time killing deer, right? We do. It's not an easy thing, especially mature deer. And like, do you, do we want the deer to be living on our property? Because if, so let's, let me just, I'll just, let's go through all of them. Like, look at that. That's access to that stand, to stand two. It is a third, almost 14 acre disturbance you walk in your scent blows down when 100 yards and you're ruining 14 of the 60 acres that you hunt granted is it is it the acres that have the most probably not but it's still quite a bit so then you add in going back to this stand stand four well that covers pretty much the other areas that you didn't cover on uh your access to stand two so there's another four acres. All right, so let's access stand three. And the first, I access, access to stand one was about seven acres of disbursement. This one, you, I mean, since you're back there, it's not as bad, but there's a, there, it's gonna be another probably, what, a couple of acres, yeah, two acres. So we have, we're, we have 20 acres of of, uh, of scent disbursement throughout the year if you access all four of these stands. Okay, so that's that's one third of your property. That's how we come up with the um, the percentage that we we're using. So the, I mean, huntable acres. You're not you're not hunting this house, and really they don't hunt this field, which we might change. Um, but you got about 60 huntable acres, 22 acres disturbed if you access all these places throughout the year. The property intrusion rate is 34%. Now let's consider this. So this is like your one area where you're not disturbing, but it's a big hill that's overlooking these two areas. Like these stands are in ditches, which is a no-no for scent anyways. But then this is a big point. Anything better down here has got you here. Anything's better down here has got you here. Anything better right here has got you here. So we're looking at like, If a buck's living on your property, let's we're considering the fact if a buck is living on your property, right? They got you. So if any if anything's bedded in here, 
at some point, if you're accessing at the wrong time, if you hunt a morning sit back here and you leave mid-morning, a buck has got you. Add 11 more acres to that. Now we're getting into like 30, 40 acres of disturbance. That's over half the property. I mean, that's, that's, that, and look at where they can go. Look at this giant woodlot here. Look at this giant woodlot here. Look at this giant woodlot here. Like they're not going to hang out here if they're feeling pressure. So I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be a dick to these guys either. I, I know them really well. So um, I do, I did the same things. We all do the same things. It's, they, they literally access like this because that's the way the trails cut. So another reason why these things, like when you do these zigzags back and forth, because they kind of, they kind of just go along with how trails are cut and how the topo lines go. Well, that's how deer move too. So deer are moving and you take a zoom out here. Um, deer are moving along these topo lines, right? East to west, east to west. They, right, they most of the time they're coming onto your property and leaving the property moving east to west. And a lot of the access here is um, like, look at the access to stand one, east to west. Look at the access to stand two, east to west, back east to west. Like, Jesus, you just, anything coming through here has got you, even if you get to the stand. Ain't nothing, nothing's going to come out of, nothing's coming from the west to stand two because they're going to get down to the little area that they take a right turn and they're not, they're not coming up to the stand. You know what I'm saying? So, and we're not even getting to the point with these two stands that are in, in the stand three and four that are in ditches that, I mean, while you're on stand, your wind is doing, you don't have control over what your wind's doing. So it's not going to be a good time anyways. So enough beating on it. I think you guys get it. Access is an issue here. So stand one, uh, it's not, the, I mean, it's not the worst access. You're, you're probably not going to have the most deer down here in this, down in the southern part of that uh, um, river, creek bottom there. You know, access to stand two is just terrible. I think it ruins the whole property. And then three and four, in my eyes, I mean, they can't even, that's not even a huntable situation. Ditch stand, um, nothing about it's huntable. So we're scrapping, scrapping it all. And we came up with a solution. So in the current method of hunting, they walk, you know, access, you know, and the reason why I bring up the amount of yards they walk to access, because a lot of times people access these things because it's easier, quicker. And it really comes down to the fact that it's just because that's, the, that's the trail. That's where it's at. I mean, they, they're walking. If they went to all these stands, it'd be 1600 yards of walking. And that's not even counting. Like, like that's counting all these lines just once. Right. So I just counted like that. I counted like your access point to like um, that that western part where there's three kind of access areas to combined. I counted that line once, so it's it's really more than that. But 1,600 walking areas, almost a mile of walking. So is it really that easy? Much easier? Is it less walking? I don't think so. Um, 
and the disturbed areas is is 22. Um, like I said, we can get even further than that. Um, so their property intrusion rate or PIR is 34%. Um, and I think it's higher because if you get into these uh, hillsides and, and visual intrusion rate, it's it's going to be higher. But I don't include that on these um, virtual type consults. So we're not going to add that to the chart here. Um, let me get rid of these because I have OCD. All right. So let's go to the plan. Boom. Boom, bang, boom. All right. What do you see on the new plan? People listening to the podcast, take a look at the new plan on the blog. The new, new proposed method of hunting. Yards of walking access is almost about four or 500 yards less, just under 1,200 yards, 1,150. So we're actually walking less. Wouldn't think it, right? Disturbed acres turn from 22 to 7 while accessing with a north wind, and your PIR or property intrusion rate is down to 10%. That is what I am talking about. That is what I'm talking about. That is awesome. Not to mention you've made, they're making really clear, we're going to make really clear ideas on where to go or not to go now. So like the general just intrusion of the property is going to be way down. So let's get into the why or the how or whatever, why why we wrote this up the way we did. I need to find the, all right. So let's start with stand one. Let's start with just the let's start with the just the western fence line. So the western fence line is a wooded area. I would like it to be pushed in, you know, a little bit from the fence line, but I think we want to use for visual purposes. I want to use this uh, wooded uh, kind of brushy fence line to our advantage. And I think he had said that there's actually kind of a trail in there already, so which is perfect. Um, plus up in uh, you get a little bit northern to that. If you get the food plot two, um, the second food plot, if you're going from south to north in the middle there, uh, that's actually a pasture to the west, which is awesome. So we'll use that to our advantage to blow the wind out into that. Hopefully, I mean, hell, hopefully they'll have cattle in there too, which is even better too, because it'll make an even better pinch in between the second food plot and the third food plot, which is why those food, two food plots are there. That third food plot to the north, I'd like to them to push down to the south as much as you can because we want to make that pinch in between those two food plots as tight as we can. And that stand, which is labeled as stand four, is probably going to be the money stand. That's going to be your rut stand. That's going to be the freaking – I would put money on that stand. I'd put money on that stand. I'd put money on stand two. I'll get the, I'll break down stand two in a second, though. Um, stand three – I think is more of a box blind. They can get away with hunting it more, get it on this nice food plot. They can they can access from south to north along this uh, fence row and they can pop up into the box blind. Cause you can see here, that's, this is kind of a steep incline here. So they might be able to just pop, crawl up the hill, pop into this box blind, actually hunt this, which that might be, that might be a killer spot through the year. And you can probably get away with hunting it a little bit more often. Um, stand one, that's another one you can hunt. Afternoon sits calm. Make sure the wind's blowing back towards the road. Let the creek do what it does with thermals. That should be a good spot too. That's actually where uh, Jeffrey killed his buck last year. We call it the mistake buck. <laughs> Didn't know what it was. Two-year-old. 
maybe three. Not not big. We can make fun of them. I won't make. If you are listening to this and you're considering, you know, getting a hold of us and having us do this, I'm I'm seriously just being hard on him because we're buddies, um, and uh, family. So I don't actually make fun of people that hire us. And actually, these digital consoles right now are free, so you're not even hiring us. Um, yeah, where was I at? So, yeah, I mean, th these access corridors are really important. Get in here with the chainsaw. I, I mean, or I think they have access to maybe a bulldozer or some excavation equipment. Um, and when we do these plans, if you need help, if you're into the, if you're to the point where you want to invest, you know, into the, the property management side of stuff, we, we also do that. We help people with that. We have people with bulldozers. We have people with skid loaders. Um, it's obviously more of a financial commitment. I don't think that they want to make that right now, but I think they, they, they can actually, they actually have access to people that family members or something they, they can borrow from. So, um, but even if they didn't, um, coming in here and just chainsaw enough to clear enough for a UTV or just for you to walk, um, is, is all you need. It's, it's about the most, it's about as much work as you want to put in. That's what I told them. I was like, you guys can keep accessing like that. I mean, don't let me ruin the way you hunt. Don't let me, don't, don't let me ruin how you hunt. I'm just saying, I mean, this, you're, nothing's going to be consistent doing this. Not if you want to hunt consistently. And then this takes more work because you got to go in and make these lanes. Like this is going to be a suck. The east side is going to be east side of the property making those access lanes. Not going to be fun. Steep ass hill. So let me jump over to the east end. Um, if you look at the map, stand two. Uh, see that access point. This is, as you notice, that where that A is, um, that that waypoint. This is the only stand that you access from that point now. Before, every single time they hunted, they came out of this field corner. Well, guess what bucks do? They bed up on these hills and they take keep an eye on the best human intrusion spot if they feel it. So if a buck's bedded right here, right, and you don't have any screen cover here or nothing, you come walking, waltzing out into this field, not to mention there's a house here, so they're probably watching it anyways. Um, they got you. They got you patterned. So a buck's bedded right here, watches you come in here. You don't know that you spooked him. He just is going to slip back. He's gone. He's back in this ditch. Look at this woods that he can go into. They're gone. You're, never, you're not seeing him. So, because they're con dude, they're conditioned to know the difference between if you're riding around a four wheeler or a tractor to you walking in. Like, there's a difference between that. Especially if you're slowly walking in, you walk up to here, like that thing's gone. And you're not, you're not gonna hear it. You're not gonna see it. Nothing. So, um, and looking at a north wind, like your disbursement of wind is just, I mean, nothing. We're we're at ten percent now, ten percent. So this whole, also this whole um, northeast corner is going to be pretty much a sanctuary. You never, they're never going to touch it. Well, that's my, that's my advice. I don't know if they will or not, but I wouldn't. Um, so the question is, you have two people who bow hunt. You have five people who gun hunt. All right. So I made five stands. I mean, everyone can, if, as long as, I know gun hunting just, it's just, 
everything is crazy. Hopefully you get a north wind. You're not going to be like, oh, you guys can't hunt if you have a south wind. I understand that. Um, but there's five stands here, five places that people can safely get in, get out. You hang the stands. Those are the spots. Not to mention they have kind of like a, like a shooting shack down in this lower uh, southern field that, you know, like gun hunt out of. That's fine. Um, so I, I don't think the whole like we have a bunch of different people that come into gun hunt and it ruins all of our plans should deter uh, at least the two bow hunters from practicing this all year. Because we know the money time. You can get it done in October. You can get it done in first couple weeks of November. Hunt like this. Hunt like this. Um, all right. I don't know if there's much more to go over like on this, but let's go and take a look at the Google Earth because it's awesome. If you're on a podcast, I'll kind of describe topography better here. Or just go over to blog and click play on the video. So as you can see, we have a really steep hill off to the east. This is kind of where that rock is, that steep hill face. These, uh, the three food plots are all placed, or the, the first food plot and the second food plot, or third food plot. So the most southern food plot and the most northern food plot are placed in the bottoms. Um, that southern food plot can be hunted over because you're in that bottom, you're in that creek bottom with it. Um, I'll, and I, I feel confident that if the, um, if the thermals are taken, you're sent down that creek, you should be safe for the most part. Um, this northern food plot is not something that you hunt over. Uh, the stand that I placed is up on this knob. So you just got that higher point. So you got the pinch of the inside corner from the neighbors. You have a, you have a pinch coming down this side of the, so the, we're looking at the northern food plot. If you're on the podcast, take a look at the northern food plot where that stand is, it's up in the corner. Um, and the reason is because it's forming a pinch that goes north to south, okay? And it has a pinch that goes east to west, high side, catching that inside corner movement from the ag field on the neighbors to the west. Hope that makes sense. On the mat or on this video, it should. So deer are gonna be moving along this edge, right? Of the neighbor's field. And it's an inside corner. So once they come to here, they kind of go either down this way, they'll cut, they'll probably, there's a trail that goes straight. Maybe they take it back up. Maybe they wrap this point and go back up this way, whatever it is. Usually there's a bunch of lines of movement that work off an inside corner. Usually three at least. One to the right, one to the left, one straight ahead. So <clears throat> the nice thing about this place is you have a food plot right here. So they're not going to, here, just don't walk through food plots for the most part, especially mature bucks. So now you got another pinch. If he takes a, if he if he goes south from the inside corner, boom, right into this pinch. Or if he's coming from south to north and he's coming up out of this knob and you're up in you're up in this high point on a rut set, he's gonna come up right to you. Boom, wind's blowing out over into this egg field. You're good. You're good. Um. Now stand four is what I'm most excited about because stand four is going to be on the spine. So look at stand two. If you're on the podcast, look at stand two, which is like right here. And notice that spine that runs straight east to west. 
and there's a really good um so this is a high point but it's kind of like the bottom of the spine but still higher than like this and the it's still higher than the northern food plot and everything like that so if you can get a stand on this higher ground that's a really good pinch that's a really good pinch let's do a little, a little rotation on the old google earth see i would suspect it to be like right here right here would be a good spot so if you're if you're on the podcast um the middle food plot so actually the the marker that i have on that map right now is probably oh it could be it could be all right to the north but either it's either going to be there's a little ditch that runs in between those two food plots so you got to get on the high side of of either the north or the south of that ditch and uh that'd be a game changer that's gonna be a great spot my god i love that spot um and then finally we're looking at stand three now and that's going to be you know you access in along this fence line from the south to north and you pop in up the hill because you can now you can see actually see the hill it's a pretty good hill here and you just pop into the corner hopefully get a box blind in there or something um and then as you can see here um when we're looking at google earth for podcasters we're looking at stand two now where the rock we got this steep decline that's heading from east or sorry from yeah from east to west there's a steep decline wherever that stand is located that's actually a rock cliff so that's a great pinch and they come back out of those um valleys behind to the uh, northeast and to the southeast, um, and then they, they'll come straight up this spine. So that there, so that center spine that goes from stand two to stand three and stand four, that's going to be your. That just seems to be where they've had the most luck over the years, and that's going to be where your majority of your movement is, and that's where that's the most huntable area of the farm. Um, this area back in here, let it live. Just let it live. Let them have their space. They can they can have places in the property that that you don't bother them, that you aren't trying to kill them. Right? We can all agree. Just like your wife, there's times when you just want to be alone. It's probably for the best. Leave the deer alone back in here. Northeast corner. Leave them alone. Let them live. Let them be free. Catch them when they're making a mistake. Um, yeah, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, if you got any questions, if you're well, if you're watching this video, head over to our our website. If you're listening to this podcast, head over to our website. Um, and if you want one of these virtual digital consults, there's no pressure. You don't have to um, do what we tell you. Um, we're kind of forming some theories and, and thoughts on how we hunt and how we set up properties, anyways. So right now they're doing it for free. I just want to see, um, I mean, I think they're common sense type strategies. So I, I don't think you're going to go wrong with it. The general frame framework is just like, let's cut down on pressure and let's set up better spots on the edges of the property. All right, let's leave the center of our properties to the deer. So but head over there. Uh, there's an application on, one, on a page on our site. Um, that you can apply and as long as you own land and you can make changes to the or not even own it but if you make if you can make changes to the, your property 
um, I would love to take a look at your property along with our team and write up a little plan for you. No strings attached, my people. Alrighty, get out there, get out there. It's almost June, starting up.